All right, welcome to episode 16 of the Gundam Explained podcast. I am your host, Adam Blue, as always, so far, as always. And um, yeah, this is the podcast where every week I talk about the Gundam robots from Japan that have invaded uh, me here in Texas. So uh, anyone else from Texas, let me know. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, just to get started, uh, this podcast is available wherever all podcasts should be available. So if it's missing somewhere that you would prefer to be listening slash watching, just let me know. Uh, the watching format, if you're looking at me right now, is on YouTube. If there's any other platform that this could be watched on, just let me know. And be sure to subscribe. And there's a video. There's a link to a video in the description of the giveaway that's going on right now where I'm giving away two items. One that I'll be uh, shipping off. It's a white Zaku. And then another one where might be winner's choice uh i'm gonna have to really keep uh pricing in mind here but it's just it seems from now on it's going to be easier for me to just ship something uh buy something online and ship it to the winner that way i don't have to worry about shipping costs and get the coolest thing possible um and make things easier that way anyway but yeah to go back real quick um the previous week uh, a couple videos that came out since the last, post, uh, last podcast. Excuse me. Uh, I had the review for the Robot Spirits Crossbone X1. So the Crossbone Gundam that's UC timeline uh, after F91. Um, and I think before victory or maybe around that time. I, I'll, I'll have to look that up here in a second. In fact, we might do that on this episode. Anyway, check that out. It's an awesome figure. It's that Evolution spec, which seems to be a slightly larger scale than what they're supposed to be, but also maybe some downgrade in materials. Not too sure, but I guess it's a little happy medium to not have to spend too much on a Robot Spirits figure, but get all the cool accessories. And then I had a uh, video review for or impressions, quick look of Robot Spirit. or yeah, so, Lots of robots we're talking about, right? Super Robot Wars 30. So this is this is like the first time a game in the Super Robot Wars, um, uh, I guess, yeah, franchise. It's been going back since, I thought it was NES, but I heard recently it was Game Boy. Uh, but yeah, these Super Robot Wars games have been around forever. I think there's more than 30 of them. This is just the 30th uh, anniversary of the series being out. Uh, I played it on Steam in that video. You can kind of see the gameplay that's very Gundam-centric in terms of music. Awesome animation. You know, something I didn't bring up from in that video that I got from it is when you're looking at the mobile suits, on the battlefield, they still have that, like, SD, super deformed look. Um, anyway, and I don't mind that. And then once you get into a battle, amazing animation that's worth watching. But their scale is still small, just not super small, like the G-Generation games where that's like super deformed. This is like non-super deformed, slightly deformed. Yes, SD, slightly deformed. Oh, hold on one second. <laughs> okay, apologies, that came out of nowhere, but hey, this is a podcast. It's not live, but it's live to me, so I'll sneeze anyway. Um, but yeah, back to... Uh, the the look of the the robots and the Gundams again. They're not super deformed, but slightly deformed. It still looks really cool. The game is a lot of fun. It's different enough from the generation line of games where I could still try to juggle both and um, have a lot of fun. But when it comes to Gundam games, wow, there's a lot. So the other thing I wanted to bring up is Code Fairy. So at, at the time I am recording this. 
Code Fairy had just come out. I was able to spend some time with the first chapter or so, and I guess they're releasing them um, at different times, like the different chapters. Now, what's interesting is I beat the first one, and then it brought me into the second one. Now, I didn't continue because I had to get to work, but um, and I'll be getting back to it later, but I'm just curious on if there's like multiple missions within a chapter, etc. Um, really, you know, with Code Fairy, what this game is, it's going to battle Operation 2 with a single-player campaign, and when it comes to single-player campaigns, while it's not what I look for in a single-player campaign, in terms of the Gundam universe, this delivers quite a bit. It has an opening uh, like you would normally see in a TV show. It has a whole cast of characters that are animated. It has some cool voice acting. It, it's it's Japanese, so I don't really, I can't really tell how good the acting is, but it just feels like I am watching a Gundam show. And then just after some dialogue between the characters to get the note them to understand the mission, then you're thrown into a battle. And the end of the battles are really nothing much. It's Gundam Battle Operation 2. It's that same gameplay. It's almost as if for... Uh, uh, this is like a way to get people into Gundam Battle Operation 2, which either tells me that this multiplayer game is going to continue to last for quite a while, or if they do make a third, it's going to be very similar. Because um, it's trying to teach you the basic controls. It's teaching you... How to capture points, get out of your mobile suit. And again, this is three years after the release of the free Gundam Battle Operation 2. And, you know, as a game by itself, I, I got the Deluxe, which was 60 So that's a, a typical price of a game, considering that some uh, PS5 games are up to 70 and some Deluxe games are up to 100 in cost. Uh, but with that 60 you get the Deluxe, which is all the DLC, uh, it's, I guess, some stuff that can be used in Gundam Battle Operation 2. So, by playing this Code Fairy, you do unlock suits that you can use. You can unlock stuff in Gundam Battle Operation 2 that you can use in Code Fairy and vice, and vice versa. Code Fairy, as I say that right. What's very interesting, though, is when I was playing, I was hoping to capture gameplay to show. And just like with uh, Generation, SD Generation... It does not allow you to capture gameplay. I'm going to have to use a capture card, which means, one, shelling out money for a capture card, two, bringing the PS5 into my office where my computer would be that has the the cap, the yeah computer and capture card. So I'd like a way around that so I can quickly capture gameplay to show it. I would have had some prepared for today if it wasn't for this annoying little error. I'd have to be an error. Now, you know, PlayStation is set up to where it blocks capturing or streaming of uh, like non-gameplay content in terms of like story cutscenes. Who knows why? I mean, yeah, there's reasons why that could be done, but the fact that it's affecting games, especially on the release, that people could easily be sharing in order to further market the game, it it just doesn't make sense that they're doing this, and I, it makes me think it's some sort of bug or something that's overlooked that wasn't intended even if some aspects of the story are intended but you know to to really round it out um i, I like this game i think i don't know if the non-gundam fan would be willing or someone that's not playing gbo2 would be willing to buy it it's and maybe that's what works for this it's like 
the the company behind GBO2 knows that they can market this and people will buy it that play it because there is a player base on there. That's what's really cool. I can play every day and and with GBO2 and, and one thing I, I might be getting off track here a little bit. I was playing with Will, who's part of the Discord and, and comments regularly, and we were talking about how sometimes it's hard to get a game going. And so he introduced me to the custom games option, which I never really use, where you can go in and either host or join some custom games that are made. And some other thing we noticed was the whole AB in the description. Usually it's around Japanese characters, so we don't really understand what it means. But what they do is, uh, uh, people in Japan have figured this out, where they will make custom games that are the mix-up matches. I think that's what they're called. Um, or there could be another name. It's, they're very short matches, really. It's just once you wipe out the enemy team, it's over. But A team always wins, B team always loses. So when you start, if you're on B team, you just stand there. You let A team destroy you. If you're A team, you just go and destroy B team. And it happens really quick. What I like about this is it lets you get some of the daily challenges out of the way that you don't really want to do so it could be that a daily challenge is play two space battles and you look at the space battles available not really cool map or cost ms cost type so you could actually join a custom game just to get that out of the way so you can at least get your coins and then play some matches that you want to play where you can use your own mobile suit use on the maps you want i think it's a cool way to get that done because there are some moments where if you need to play a specific match type that you could be waiting forever for the game to start and when you're doing the matchmaking. Uh, I've noticed, though, where I'm at, Central Time Zone in Texas, in the mornings, that is the the quickest way to, to join games. But when I play, it's usually in the morning or after work. And so usually by the time I'm done, it's in the evening and I'm I'm going to play, there's not that many people on anymore. And so games take a while to start. But if I can get around the... Using the custom rooms for, to either play or to get my challenges, it's the best way to go about it. So I suggest anyone that's wanting to kind of get over that hump, which to me is that hump of getting a game started, to go the custom game route. Now, back to Code Fairy. I Bottom line is if you are playing GBO2, I think this is worth it. I haven't put that much money in GBO2. It's a free-to-play game. Yes, you can buy coins you use to gamble to see if you can get a mobile suit. I think I've done it once uh, just to see. I, there's so much time I've put into it, and there's so much fun I've had playing GBO2. I think it's worth it, it. It's worth it for me. So then paying 60 for this game that has a really cool story with with characters. I mean, the character development already in that first was what you would see in a in an anime, in a Gundam show. Now, one thing I will say, though, is, um, which this isn't an issue, it's it's it's, it's centered around a group of women, and, they, and part of the story is reflective of that, and then they kind of question, why would they risk having this squad of women mo- mobile suit pilots? And, I mean, really, that's not an issue to me. What kind of is, is sometimes the, the way the characters can act, especially the main, Alma, I think his name is a little goofy, it's a little... More of the down points of Double Zeta, where the characters have that goofiness to them, instead of like the seriousness you'd find in, let's say, Unicorn, or even the original Mobile Suit Gundam. So that aspect sometimes is a little, okay, this is being a little goofy, but there's enough of what you would expect from Gundam. The world building, you know, they even talk about 
almost like all of the original UC shows do. They talk about Operation British. They talk about California base. Uh, they talk about a lot of operations that occurred during 0079. And, and then it's how this group, uh, Code Fairy, uh, although they have is like Fairy Battalion, Fairy Squad, I forget what it's called, but how they're involved with it. So, you know, really, it, it's actually... Uh, it's actually pretty cool that they did something like this. It's totally unexpected. Um, it's not just a single player campaign, but it's it's kind of like just another uh, show, another Gundam show. So, well, it will be cool to see how the other episodes go. I still need to finish what I've played so far. Um, but yeah, yeah, just wanted to talk about that. Now, speaking more on GBO2 real quick, um, they've shown off the Gelgu cannon. So that is really cool. I love the uh, the kind of... That's what I would expect the sniper to wear. Uh, and then, let's see, in addition to 10 supply drop calls, let's see, it looks like the bonus item, which is the AUG 1. Uh, now, I don't know if this was already available. I, I don't know if this is brand new, because I want to say I have this or something like it, but... Um, Rick Diaz too. Anyway, just some cool things that uh, they're continuing to add. And that, again, because this Code Fairy is just coming out and it could introduce players to GBO2, it, and GBO2 is continuing to have content released for it. It really makes me think this game is going to last for a while, and it already has. Um, so, I mean, that's just great. It's great to get into a game that's constantly getting support from the developers. It really is. <laughs> Well, okay, I mean, I guess that's enough uh, talking about gaming. Uh, you know, as a gamer and someone that's into Gundam, it's just really cool, uh, all the Gundam gaming that happens, and the games are usually really good, too. So, all right, moving on. So, so I wanted to show this off. Someone posted this. This was, I guess, concept art of the Unicorn Gundam, but with the Kshatriya arm being repurposed on it, so... Now, if anyone has any more info on that, let me know. I kind of like the design here, but that doesn't really look like the Unicorn Gundam. It looks like a Mark II, unless that was the original design of the Unicorn. If anyone has any information on that, let me know. I tried to read this, but I'm not good at reading Japanese, even though, like I mentioned before, I took it in high school. That was back when I was not good at studying. So, yeah, this really looks like a Mark II. Yeah, Mark II with the Kshatriya arm is awesome. Uh, and then kind of has the, the shield system here. It's almost like the binders, but almost like what you'd see from the um, Thunderbolt Gundam. Really love this. I mean, in that gun, it looks like the... Uh, I'd have to see it more. I was about to say that almost looks like the beam rifle, the Magnum. But anyway... Cool stuff. Just wanted to show that off. If anyone has any more information about this, uh, I feel like coloring it. Don't you? It's like black and white, but I feel like coloring it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, okay, something else I found that was awesome. So, if you if you don't know about Halo, I'm sure most of us do, it seems like there is this kind of cross between Gundam fans and Halo fans. And it's weird because I'm a big fan of Halo. It you know, I, I don't really grab them anymore, even though I've been wanting to. But I have a lot of those Halo Mega Blocks and Halo action figures, the four-inch line that they came out. I had some previous Halo action figures that have come out from Tom McFarlane, Mattel, but I sell those. I don't really keep them. 
around. But these latest ones, the four inch ones I've been keeping, I love you can build grunts easily. They have like three pack of grunts you can buy on um, Amazon. You know, it's kind of like the mobile suit grunt suits. They've got the grunt characters. Anyway, Halo Wars was an RTS or is an RTS that's on Xbox and PC. That's actually really good. Halo Wars 2 is even better. So as a fan of real time strategy games, something that Gundam really needs for sure. You know, like Command and Conquer, Age of Empires. It's one I've been playing recently, the new Age of Empires 4. Um, Halo Wars 2 is a fantastic one, and I've, I've completed it. But they had some concept art of this uh, Master Chief that had, uh, what would you call it, the armor? Like how the, the was it the high new Gundam had that, uh, or even the new Gundam had that extra armor that you could put on? You know, but what's really interesting about this, and let me see if I can get this to zoom in. I mean, if you look at the chest piece here, this is what you would normally see on the skirts of uh, even the RX-78 too. this kind of line with the two dots. A lot of times in hangers in the background, you would see that. So I think it's very interesting that there's a lot of design taken from Gundam in general, um, even with the shield. So they're showing the shield here. I mean, all that is is a shorter version of the shield you would see with, what, the full armor Gundams, um, what are those, the ground type? Yeah, ground type Gundam. I mean, that's like the same thing, um, especially with the shoulder guns. And now, yeah, that's been done uh, with tons of other robot properties before, but already these uh, Spartan suit designs look like GMs from Mobile Suit Gundam. On top of that, we have this like full armor look. Uh, and uh, this is just a, a sick design. This could be in Gundam. This could be in Halo. I'm pretty excited about Halo Infinite, to be honest. And there's even a mech uh, that must be in it. Maybe they've already shown that in, in the previews. I don't know. But uh, at the store or online, they sell a mech that comes with the Spartan for the 4-inch line. I haven't grabbed it yet. I'm trying to limit buying things outside Gundam. But, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, Definitely cool. Yeah, in fact, I think with this episode, usually I'll cover, you know, what I've acquired uh, over the past week that's Gundam related, but really I haven't been buying too much. So uh, there's actually a few things I have on pre-order. So we'll see what happens there. Anyway, I just thought this was a really cool design. Curious what everyone else thinks about Halo. Awesome series, awesome designs, awesome story. It's, you know, similar to Gundam, in my opinion. All right. Now, Mobile Suit of the Week. So for those of you that watched or haven't, there's that robo, uh, Robot Spirits uh, X1, yeah, XMX1 Kai uh, review I did where I, you know, did a look at the figure. And we can look at this image right here, and it looks exactly like the figure. All the detail, the proportions, it's, it's really cool how they did that. And I figure, hey, best time to kind of dive into what is included with what kind of armaments and technologies included with this uh, Crossbone Gundam. So the XMX-1 Crossbone Gundam X-1 is a testbed mobile suit developed by the Earth Federation Strategic Naval Research Institute, SNRI, that also developed the F-91. It was featured in the Mobile Suit Crossbone Gundam manga series. All right, so if we want to get some details, so first seen in um, UC... 0133. So that is after F91 before victory. All right. And um, operator crossbone vanguard. So in F91, they were the antagonist. It could be that the air and, you know, after 
killing the bad guys. And I don't know much about the manga. I'm just assuming that the main characters from F91 just take over Crossbone Vanguard and they become good guys. But again, and you see what is good guy and what is bad guy. Um, let's see. So, yeah, let's dive into some. Actually, let's look at there's the front. And this is from GFF. Um, so that's pretty cool. It's pretty much the same thing. Just has that, uh, the you know, like the real type marking, which I love. Just like the real grade. All right. The F97. Why have we seen F97? Is that like the secret name of it? But let's just read this. The F97 is specifically designed by the SNRI to be used near Jupiter, where the strong gravitational field creates serious uh, propulsion problems. Units operating on Earth in near-Earth's orbit usually achieve high mobility using thrusters distributed across the mobile suit's body. However, under Jupiter's gravitational influence, this will require enlargement of the thrusters, leading to an increase in the mobile suit's size and mass. Larger thrusters would require more powerful reactors, which in turn adds more mass. To resolve this, the F-97 is equipped with a set of four movable thrusters in an X-shaped array used in tandem with the unit's AMBAC system. These thrusters, uh, I'm sorry, these thrusters allow high mobility around Jupiter's orbit without increasing the size and mass of the mobile suit. Sounds just like uh, Paptimus Sirocco's uh, mobile suit, and I, th the name escapes me, but it was just recently, was it the Masala? Yes, it was just recently released in GBO2. Uh, that was the same kind of thing. It was designed to be used in Jupiter's atmosphere. All right. Um, and when combined into one huge thruster column, they are capable of dramatically increasing the unit's top speed. Of course, there are trade-offs. A unit designed for these unique conditions like the F-97 is difficult to control on or near Earth. Though technically the F-97 are general-purpose mobile suits, they were designed with extra emphasis on their close-range combat uh, abilities. With their high mobility, they easily outmaneuver most enemy mobile suits, allowing them to slip into close range and past the beam shield. Additionally, the Crossbone Vanguard... Wait, let me read that again. Allowing them to slip into close range and past the beam shield. Huh, that's pretty cool. Additionally, the Crossbone Vanguard leader, Barrona, sought to fight... The war against Jupiter Empire, with as little loss of life as possible with blades, it is easier to take out a mobile suit without destroying the cockpit than it is with a beam rifle. So that's pretty cool. Another, and let's just look at Baron Rona real quick. If this is, yeah, Cecily Fairchild. So, yeah, when she, you know, in F-91, you know, her family tried to take her in. She assumed her place, but I think then did things correctly as they were talking about she wanted to uh stop loss of life during mobile suit battles so that's very cool all right um with blades it is easier to take out a mobile suit without destroying the cockpit than it is with a beam rifle so that's cool another notable equipment another notable equipment is the anti-beam coating cloak, which can be stored on the F-97's back and unfolded when needed. When unfolded, it covers the mobile suit's entire body and disperses beam energy over the cloak. It can usually withstand five standard beam shots without spending any energy. With the additional advantage of stealth, like its predecessor F-91 Gundam F-91, its mouth can be opened as a vent. The F-97 is also equipped with a plug-in type core fighter, which mounts the movable thrusters and two standard beam sabers. And that is one of the coolest designs to me is how there's this 
uh, core fighter that can plug into the back of this crossbone. And there's a few different crossbone mobile suits, but then like the X opens up. One thing that's interesting, though, is they're referring to it as F-97, and that's really the first time I've heard that. Uh, four units <clears throat> were made in total and given by SNRI to the Crossbow Vanguard. In order to cover the secret dealing, they were assigned the codes, ah, I see, X-0, XMX-1, XMX-2, and XMX-3, and given the name Crossbone Gundam. So I understand now. So I guess SNRI were developing for the Crossbone Vanguard, not only uh, Earth Federation, and uh, to not yeah, confuse it with that F-97 being uh, predecessor to the F-91, they changed the name. So it's all explained. I tell you, in-universe, they have explanations for everything. Armaments. The head-mounted shell-firing weapons have a high rate of fire, but little power and are generally ineffective against mobile suits. However, they get damaged lightly armored uh, areas such as the sensors and are ideal for shooting down small, lightly Armored targets such as missiles or small vehicles. Beam Saber. The Beam Saber is a standard close combat weapon of many mobile suits. It emits a blade of plasma contained by an eye field that can cut through any physical armor not treated to resist it. The crossbone Gundam is equipped with two Beam Sabers stored in shoulder racks. They also serve as the beam guns for the core fighter. Heat Dagger. The crossbone Gundams are also equipped with two heat daggers as alternative Close combat weapons. Unlike most heat weapons, the blade of the heat dagger is heated using leftover heat from the leg's thrusters. The heated blade can melt the enemy's armor on contact. The heat daggers are stored in the legs, one in each calf. You know what? I showed that real quickly in the review for the Robot Spears, but I didn't actually um, kind of show it like plugged in and everything. But uh, yeah, it's a cool feature that's described exactly here. Normally, it is handheld when in use, but it can also slide out of the sole, uh, out of the sole as a surprise attack. And I think they mean sole of the boot, the foot of the Gundam, and yeah, that's another option at the bottom of the foot. There's a little uh, connector point where you can put the blade in. So cool, it can pop out there. But I guess it can pop out there that far. But also, they can pull the handle out the back uh, of the calf, and it pops out there too. So. Kind of very interesting engineer, I guess, going on. Engineering. All right, scissor anchor. Each crossbone Gundam is equipped with a pair of scissor anchors stored on the front skirt armor. These anchors are attached to the Gundam by long chains and use scissor claws to grip objects. While these are not offense weapons per se, they provide several uses in combat. They can be used to grip the limb of an enemy machine to ensnare it or to reel it closer to the crossbone Gundam for melee combat. So that's very cool. Because I showed that in the review, because um, there is a grappling hook, and I think I was calling that a grappling hook, but it's called a scissor anchor, and I like the idea of pulling enemies closer to, for the close combat abilities, since that seems to be what the primary focus is of these mobile suits. Um, let's see. They can also be used uh, to wait. They can also be used to turn ensnared mobile suits into bludgeoning weapons by pulling on the chain. The scissor anchors can also be used to stabilize the Gundam's footing in case of emergencies, such as when fighting the wind force of an explosion. It's pretty good. I like that idea. That kind of enhances capabilities of, of a mobile suit. A beam shield brand marker. Unlike an eye field generator, which is effective only against beam attacks. The beam shield blocks both beam and projectile weapons. The beam shield generates a plane of energy similar to the blade of a beam saber. This plane is divided into multiple sections, which can be turned on or off as needed to conserve energy. 
Individual sections are also automatically deactivated whenever they're in danger of coming into contact with the mobile suit itself. The beam shield generators of the crossbone Gundams are mounted on the forearm and can take advantage of beam energy uh, malleability, forming four short beam blades at the corners of the beam shield generator that meet at the center, which gives the brand marker as a whole uh, pyramidal shape. So, yeah, that's something else. Yeah, think of a pyramid shape that can be on that yeah, kind of forearm sort of thing moving around. It could be used as spikes for punching, but you can also have the, the shield come from that. Uh, the brand marker slides over the fist of the mobile suit and is used as a punching weapon when used. The brand marker leaves an X-shaped hole if the target isn't completely destroyed. So that's cool. I didn't realize that really, yeah, if you look at it, if it does stab in, it gives it kind of an X-shape. So, Buster Gun. The Buster Gun is the primary ranged weapon of the Crossbone Vanguard. This beam pistol is modeled after a flintlock pistol and is typically used with only one of the mobile suit's hands, leaving the second hand free to use a melee weapon. Stored on the right side armor when not in use the buster gun can combine with the beam zanber to form the zanbuster okay so that sword is called a beam zanber it's kind of like the pirate sword that you'd see the beam zanber is a high power beam saber and is the primary weapon of the crossbone vanguard the hilt of the beam zanber is modeled after that of a traditional pirate cutlass as is the beam blade when it is formed. It is stored on the left side armor when not in use. The power of the beam's amber is significantly higher than that of an ordinary beam saber, uh, such that it is easy for the crossbone vanguard to operate, or the crossbone Gundam, to operate an enemy in melee combat or even cut through the beam of an ordinary beam saber. Behind the guard of the beam uh, zanber is a gun handle that is used in the zanbuster configuration. Zanbuster. The beam rifle formed from the combination of the beam zamber and the buster gun, the beam it fires is stronger than that of the buster gun. In this configuration, the butt of the buster gun is connected to the beam emitter of the beam zamber. When a grenade is attached to the zambuster's emitter, it can also function as a single-shot grenade launcher. All right, rifle grenade. The rifle grenade is a high-yield explosive that can be attached to the beam emitter of the Zanbuster, typically not used against mobile suits. The rifle grenade was used to intercept a nuclear missile that was targeting the Mother Vanguard. Okay, now that sounds cool. Ah, that's their ship. I'll have to get into that later. I mean, this pirate stuff is just crazy. Atomic Shell, an alternative weapon that can be fitted to the beam emitter of the Zanbuster. It is fired in the same manner as the rifle grenade. Um, a lot here. I'm, oh, no, not too much. Let's see. Special equipment and features. Anti-beam uh, coating cloak. As with other Crossbone Vanguard mobile suits used in UC-0133, the X-1 could be equipped with a cloth cloak that had been treated with an anti-beam coating, functioning similar to the old physical shields that had received the same treatment. The cloak was used to protect the mobile suit from beam shots. With its size, it could completely cover the mobile suit with the exception of the head, providing full body protection. However, despite the, its advantages, one which is conserving power, the cloak has two disadvantages. First, unlike a beam shield, the cloak can only handle about five shots before the coating wears off, rendering the cloak to simple cloth. The second disadvantage is that the cloak offers no protection from physical weapons. And the cloak is kind of cool. It just helps give it that pirate look like it's having a cape. But... Neat that they have in-universe explanations for that stuff. All right, core block system. The Crossbone Gundam X-1's core fighter is composed of a cockpit block, uh, cockpit block based on the F-93Y cluster Gundam. I haven't heard of this one. Let's look at it real quick. Okay, I've seen this before. Very cool. So was this 
made before the F91. Yeah, that is really neat. So it's an evolution again. It ha- kind of has that old school looking Gundam look to it while moving into the future for F91, F97, etc. All right. Um, the core fighter and high-powered thrusters designed to handle the uh, powerful gravity in the Jupiter sphere. It is armed with a pair of beam guns. Dummy launcher. Thanks to the Monofsky particle interference, warfare in the Universal Century era relies heavily on visual sensors, which can be tricked by inflating decoys that mimic mobile suits, asteroids, and even warships. More sophisticated varieties are equipped with small maneuvering uh, veneers, allowing them to move in realistic manner and register on infrared Sensors. The dummy launchers mounted on the XMX1's hands can deploy several dummies in the shape and color of the mobile suit. With these dummies, the Gundam can confuse an enemy long enough to get close to use its weapons. Okay, this is Biocomputer. A new kind of man-machine interface previously installed on the F-91 Gundam F-91. The Biocomputer is a next-generation device developed from the Saikamu system but places less strain on its human operator. It is originally intended to help the disabled, but it its development is ultimately funded by the Earth Federation forces who hope to employ it as a mobile suit control system. As its name implies, the biocomputer is similar in structure to a human brain and, is, uh, and its operating processes resemble human thoughts and feelings. Rather than merely displaying data collected by the Emesis sensors on a computer monitor, the biocomputer can relay it directly to the pilot in the form of sensory information, so what the machine feels can also be experienced by the human operator. Like the original Psychomu system, the biocomputer also allows the pilot to control the MS using thoughts alone. However, the full uh, latent potential of the system can only be tapped by a new type pilot. So, very cool. Heat radiation... Face open. Like its brother units, the X-1 can temporarily open face to release heat and increase performance. This allows the X-1 to perform otherwise extremely demanding maneuvers or attacks that would normally be considered impossible. All right, some quick history. The XM-X-1 Crossbone Gundam X-1 is the first F-97 model mobile suit to be built and put into service by Barrarona's revived Crossbone Vanguard. It would serve as their flagship mobile suit piloted by Kincaid now. In the Crossbone X-1, Kincaid would lead many of the fights against the Jupiter Empire. Using his honed skills to make the Crossbone X-1 a terror on the battlefield, his combat combat skill was so refined that none of his opponents were ever able to force Kincaid to use the Crossbone X-1 shield. Interesting. One of the most distinguishing battles the Crossbone X-1 would participate in would be the Battle of... That's low or... Io. Uh, the battle was the Crossman Vanguard's invasion of a Jupiter Empire military base on the moon of. Let me see if they show that. And because this is a real moon from Jupiter, so that's really cool. Innermost. Th- so, you know, again, here's kind of that real world science. Ao. Oh, Io. I think that means Io. Io. Io Fleming from. Thunderbolt, is that the same? It's EO. Let's let's just move on. Where the Jupiter president, Crux Dogati, was resident. The base was a trap with the base nuclear reactor set to detonate when the crossbone vanguard would uh, would made into the, the inner sanctum. Kincaid took the crossbone next one deep into the bowels of the base, destroying defending ms 9 Vagon units, attempting to stop it and disable the reactor before it could go critical. So let's see what the enemy units look like. 
Holy moly. Interesting. I wonder if that's one of those things just like with the, what is it, the Zanskier Empire, where they have a lot of the wheel-based stuff going on. So, like, that can transform, but it still has that, like, Zeonic style thing going on there. So, pretty cool. The last battle the Crossbone X-1 would participate in before being upgraded was against the Jupiter Empire's Death Gale team. Though individually, the enemy mobile suits were not equal to the Gundam. Together, they surpassed it. The Crossbone X-1 was seriously damaged against the EMS VSX-1 uh, Quavare, but not beyond repair. Okay, let's see how crazy this one looks. Oh, yeah, that is quite the crazy-looking mobile suit, but I like it. Uh, the Crossman Vanguard used much of the remaining resources to repair the Gundam and upgrade it, supplying it with new screw whip long range melee weapons designed to get through the snake hands of the MS Quavars. Uh, yeah, the XM X1 Crossman Gundam X1 was then redesigned, redesignated XM X1 Crossman Gundam X1 Kai, which is technically. The one that I uh, reviewed, or that Robot Spirits, and I think the difference here has the screw whip, whereas everything else is pretty much the same. Yeah, there's that screw whip. Okay, so yeah, I would, I'm really looking at the X1 when it was really the Kai, but the difference is when it got repaired, it also repurposed that whip. Um, yeah, let's see real quick. Sometimes there's some like trivia. Uh, yeah, notes and trivia. The Gundam fixed figuration includes a white colored version. That's not really trivia. Small recon mecha known as Billy is included as part of the metal build crossbone based on the reconnaissance pod used by the crossbone vanguard. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, nothing too crazy here. Gonna break her mobile at the one week, the Space Run Pirate event. Okay, well, I haven't really been playing much of that, but... Anyway, there's your mobile suit of the week, the crossbone, which is pretty awesome. If you ask me, that cape look is great. Um, yeah. All right. And you know what? Let's look at some builds. So Uncle Tom over on Discord shut off this Banshee. Looks fantastic. Um, yeah. Nothing much else I can say, but that's a great shot too. Great pose. And then McNutty as the Alex in the origin. Um, yeah, these look great as well. And you can see the either that's the lights. I know this this one had something for lights. This one, um, I'm assuming these are the master grade. I wonder if he actually no, it doesn't say. Because uh, I know there's, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure those are the master grades. Because I have the master grade of both. But I do know there's also the real grade. Yeah, and there's a light option for the RX-78-2 in the head. But not the Alex, but it did. Ha it does have that reflective uh, eye stuff on there. So, yeah, very cool to see these builds. Yeah, if anyone wants to, join the Discord. Feel free to show your builds so I can show them off on the podcast and just talk about other stuff. And we're trying to, uh, like will, for instance, we use that to get with me about, uh, gaming or on yeah PSN. Um, so yeah, very cool. 
All right, let's uh, let's jump into comments. So this is from, uh, yeah, Clown Crown. I remember looking at this before to think I didn't know how to pronounce the name. Um, Double eighty three was basically Top Gun in mobile suit form. It has a real nice eighties feel. Yeah, definitely does. Welly photographer. Yes, Yoshiyuku Tamino. Arigato gozaimasu. Thank you. Um, oh, and Robert again. Uh, I'm back. Yep, I am back. How was your vacay? It was a nice little break. Yeah, I had a little vacation. It was, it was pretty fun. Uso is liar. Interesting. Um, yeah, some things about some other anime I might not know. Um, interesting. Thanks, Robert. 480. Oh, yeah. Four, I'm almost at 500. Yeah, and then 600 is when I'll do the giveaway. Oh, sending me a package. Thanks, Robert. Um, let's see. From Matt Ralph, Zionic Front is close to Rise from the Ashes, which I also loved. But you can control multiple teams of three suits versus a single team of the White Dingo. Its combat is a bit slower and more deliberate. But you can also do things like call, dop, air support, customize the suits. See, all that sounds awesome. And I'm going to have to try it out. Um would be uh, Encounters in Space is great. UC game two also yeah, Encounters in Space I played I like that one a lot. But I really need to play the Zionic Front. Uh, that sounds great. Thanks, Matt. Santo Bell. Unfortunately, the Cubely Damned, while awesome looking and a Naoki redesign, who also did the Black Hayakushiki. It's an average kit lacking a lot of features and having a fairly weak waist. Tomino getting honored is long overdue, in my opinion. If you're looking for older Gundam games, I always like the PS3 game Crossfire. Got bad rings because of some technical bugs. It's like GBO2, but all story. You start in Australia and end in Africa. I gotta play that. Like, totally. The GM, as far as I know, is pronounced GM. GM. Because it's an RGM type uh, suit, but Jim or Gem is a nickname abbreviation. The Gumpla Mafia and Bill Fighters who have a suit called the GM refer to it as Gem by the members of the group during the show in the original Japanese edit. Shortly before it gets its head impaled by Bear Guy Beam Saber. So I guess it's either way. You know, I haven't seen that, so I'm going to have to check it out. Gundam X is pretty good as a what if story, whereas season one, first test mostly, is a good reimagining of the original. Hands down, the easiest to get into with zero knowledge at all is IBO. I've heard that in 0083. Yeah, that's a good point. I think you can totally get into 0083 with limited knowledge. There's even times where they talk about the colony drop, the war, and IBO. I've also heard that more than once that that's a show that's easy to get into without prior Gundam knowledge, though. So. All right, Robert. Oh, help me with subs. Thanks. Happy Halloween. Yeah, happy Halloween. Yeah, curious also. Did anyone dress up and go out? Um, I dressed up uh, as... I just had this old, like... It says Hercules, but it looks like some old Roman Spartan guy. I had a costume of that for like 10 years, and I just threw that on from one of my wife's wigs just to give me long hair. It was pretty fun. Um, yeah, went out with the kids, got some candy, and really haven't ate too much of it, which is good. All right. James Lewis, Visual Arts, would love to see a deep dive into AOZ and the Titans development tree. Yeah. I actually think about that often. Um, Advance of Zeta, the Titans development tree. I think that's some of the coolest parts of UC. So, yeah, that's a good one. 
Karina P, this is pretty cool looking gunplay action. Never seen this before. Perfect for the Halloween season. Yeah, I was kind of pointing out how that's like kind of a Halloween themed Gundam because it's like dressed up as a pirate. And there is a real grade version that is actually excellent. It's not too pricey to get as well. And it, yeah, it's probably one of the best real grades out there. I keep forgetting about it. All right. Uh, good. Fourth like on this video. <laughs> um, never too young to be a Gundam Gumpla person. Sure. Zoom. Nah, yeah, it wasn't available then. Sorry, Robert. All right. And how would you like a digital sketch pad? Man, Robert is very generous. Let me give him some, some love here. Um, oh, yeah. Christmas giveaway. It's a good idea. Thanks, Robert. They needs to make this into an animes man. Okay, were you, were you attempting some sort of uh, uh, accent there, Robert? <laughs> um, sir, uh, sir, cat reviews. I would love to win the cure for cancer. Yeah, wouldn't we all? But if that can't be done, I would love to win an RG. EVO one. Oh, okay. A non Gundam thing. Man, that's that's cool. That's a good idea. Um, oh Robert, uh, I guess he was hosting a chat. Sorry about that. All right, and then this is on the Robot uh, Wars thirty impressions from Will. I've been enjoying G Genesis a lot lately, but this looks like a lot of fun. I'll have to. Get Super Robot Wars on Steam so I can play it with my laptop. I really like how the mobile suits aren't SD and the battle animations in this uh, in this game. Yeah, the animations are great. And while it's not SD, it's it's SD light. Uh, it's not like too jarring actually. Um, let's see, Santo Bell. After watching this, I feel like I've played an SRW game back in the Dreamcast days. Looks pretty good to be honest. Actually. Speaking of Dreamcast, if you ever seen a game called Tech, yeah, Tech Romancer, uh, that's the Street Fighter equivalent of Super Robot Wars, just doesn't have as many sequels. Yep, I that was one I played. Yeah, I love the Dreamcast. I would still say the Dreamcast is probably the best time, uh, even though N64 is great too. But when the Dreamcast came out, all the games that are available for it, uh, I remember like Marvel vs. Capcom, that was near the beginning, you know, eventually Dead or Alive 2. And then it had, yeah, that Gundam game when I didn't even realize I was playing a Gundam game. Uh, they had uh, Alien Front Online. Like, Sega had released some great stuff for that. It was, I, I really remember that time. And when they announced that the Dreamcast was going to be no more, that was actually pretty sad. Um, I mean, it rolled into the Xbox. And I think Microsoft kind of took that back. And it's very interesting because even with the Xbox, it got it released with Dead or Alive 3. And then a few of these Japanese games, but then the the crazy Japanese games went like back to Sony because Sony had a mandate for a while where they didn't want any 2D Japanese games or 2D games in general. So it's very interesting how there's kind of this back and forth on where kind of niche Japanese games are published. And Microsoft is still trying to take back or get a lot of Japanese excitement. Just recently, they've announced a partnership with Sega where they're going to start releasing cloud versions of their games, uh, yeah, taking advantage of the Azure cloud. So that's interesting. All right, uh, Robert, uh, back again. Um, 
uh sending me a package to get oh and okay so you want me to do a live stream to show it off yes i still need to do that i just haven't had time yet i need to find a time sometime soon where i can insert a quick live stream i don't know if anyone has a suggestion for a time and date to do a live stream it probably wouldn't be any time during the weekdays days you know working hours probably wouldn't be able to do that um depending on the night it is possible weekend uh, way more open to that but i'm curious what everyone when they watch live streams like there's a, a there's a live stream a gundam usa gundam store has uh, zaku aurelius on fridays usually try to date like right when i start my work i have my coffee i start work read emails if i happen to not have a meeting i'm actually watching it as i'm working uh, sometimes I miss it because I'm working. And then other live streams, and I don't really get to them as much, are usually during work times. And that's why I don't get to them. There's a, uh, this YouTuber named Robert Meyer Burnett. He covers, you know, geek stuff in general, but maybe mainly movies. And he's into Gundam. And he'll um, uh, usually go on maybe around 3 Central. But I'm usually still working or in meetings. So I usually watch afterwards. And then there are some action figure reviewers. Sometimes I watch live, but it really depends. Um, you know, it's like I've got to make it compelling enough that you would want to tune in. But at the same time, I don't want to, like, do it at a time that where people would generally be doing something. Um, so, yeah, I just got to play around with that and figure that out. All right. Uh, from Robert again, a sweet gameplay. Now I want uh, to play it on this pc of mine too bad i don't have the ability to buy from steam if i manage to have my adam uh, admin brother get it for me though is there an option for pvp or team pvp oh that's a good question i don't think so i think it's strictly just pve um i don't know if they do multiplayer turn-based stuff that seems like that would be a good idea but anyway, that's uh, yeah, that's it for the comments. So thanks to everyone that takes your time to comment. They're always insightful. They kind of help me find out new things or even answer questions that I didn't know for others that are looking in on this. But uh, um, yeah, there you go for that. If anyone has any suggestions for other videos um, uh, that I should make, let me know. I'm going to try to get some Code Fairy gameplay here. I want to do a proper review of Code Fairy. I kind of want to talk about it a bit more. I find it an interesting game in general, not just for Gundam fans or, uh, you know, PlayStation gamers, but the fact that they released something like this, it's almost like a cartoon or it's almost like a show, but at the same time, it has some really good uh, gameplay mechanics in its combat system. Um, other than that, please subscribe if you haven't. Please like this and we will talk later.